0: Yes, yes, y'all, it is 25 Stories That Made MLS, and this is episode 17, that's my favorite number. 17, 17. 17, 17, 17, significant number for soccer in general. Yeah. Maybe you have a a star striker that you really like. Josie Uh, Maybe you were born on February 17th like I was. Yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, I always thought, you know, when I was a little kid oh thank you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i almost said it, it almost went on without saying thanks um when i was a little kid 17 i was like that's a weird number to have for uh, a favorite number yeah and many people said it but then i started watching this sport and it means a lot yes, yes so it episode 17 i'm nital raman by the way and i'm Tootle raman what do we have today
1: Uh, we're going to tell you the story of, um, I think one of the most important rules, current rules in place, um, in MLS. More important than DP slots? I think in the long run it might be, probably, uh, it's up there. It's called the homegrown rule. We'll argue it at the end. Yeah. Homegrown, okay. And it's a story of how how that came into place, but also why it took so long for it to, like, take hold in Major League Soccer. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So you ready? Let's do it. All right. So at the end of 2006 or beginning of 2007, Major League Soccer releases um, a statement and then they call it the Youth Development Initiative, which is a weird title uh, because all, the, all it says is that now Major League Soccer, every single Major League Soccer club has to have an academy. Huge.
0: Huge. That's that's important. Very, very important, important. Very yeah.
1: important, right? And so some teams have academies already, but like now it's like mandatory. You have to have a youth academy, right? Uh, with a certain level of staffing and things like that. And uh, a year after that, in two thousand eight, they unveil what they call the homegrown rule. And so the homegrown rule is a way for MLS clubs to sign domestic talent that they developed on their own. So let's take a step back. Biggest. Biggest one that comes to mind immediately is Tyler
0: Adams. Yeah.
1: I mean there's a there's a huge There's list. there's
0: a bunch, but my favorite, Tyler it's, Adams.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Tyler Adams is recent, right? Mm-hmm. So in two thousand eight, this is um it's important to think about because before that, if there's a Tyler Adams in your academy, yeah, how do you sign Tyler Adams in the major league soccer rules? You have to sign him to a generation Adidas contract. Right, which MLS signs him to, mm-hmm. and then he's part of the draft. True. Right, and yeah. so like, and that means if you're the Red Bulls and you have this kid in the academy,
0: what's the point? You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, wait, any club can, and you know, MLS as a whole is gonna snatch him up. Exactly. Why right. spend all our time and money and whatever? Yes. Try so, and develop
1: them. So that's the point of the homegrown rule. Is like, all right, we want we want to develop. Um, Young Talent, which is the Youth Development Initiative. Mm -hmm. But now we need to incent the teams to do that by giving them a way to sign that talent exclusively, right? Got it. And so the idea of Tyler Adams is in uh, your academy. He's been there for a few years. You think he's going to be really good. You and only you can sign him directly. And that right exists if the following things happen. Which are? One. He has to be from a general region by your club. So every club gets like a exclusive region that they can find talent. Two, he has to be part of your academy for at least one year.
0: Reasonable. More than reasonable.
1: Once you have those two things, you can add them to your homegrown list. You don't have to sign them as a homegrown. So you could be like, we're watching you, but they're actually going to go to college. So you can go play one year in college.
0: Oh, so even if they go to school. You still have the you rights. Still have the rights. Right.
1: And then you go, all right, one year in college. Uh, so Reggie Cannon, for example, mm-hmm. FC Dallas Academy, wasn't signed immediately, went to college for a year, and then signed as a homegrown for FC Dallas. Got it. And up until to the point where they were like, all right, I'm, I want to be part of MLS, a club can be like, I, I want to sign you. Or they could be like, I'm not going to sign you. And then you go through the normal process of the draft and all that good stuff. True. Right? And the second benefit to it is like the Project 40 episode that we had or Generation Adidas where, you know, MLS signs specific talent. One of the benefits that they have is like the that player is off the books, off the salary budget. Right. Does that count against your salary? Homegrowns also have that similar benefit. Um, it's more specific. So... If a homegrown, when you sign them, makes um, one h- less than one hundred twenty-five thousand more than the minimum salary. Say that one more time. That's right. a mouthful. All right. Let me let me say this. One hundred twenty-five thousand more than, than the, the minimum salary. So got like, it. assume the minimum salary at the time is fifty thousand. Okay. So if the homegrown player you sign up for less than one hundred and seventy-five thousand a year. Yeah. Then you can put him on the supplemental roster. So it's not right, a a right, right. roster. Right,
0: right. If you go online, for anyone who doesn't really know much about this, yeah. I'm included in that group. Uh, if you go online and look at any team's roster, you'll see there's a breakdown of their players, like yep. what their deal is. Let's just say their deal. Um, there's like your senior squad. Yep. You have homegrowns as well. And then they're part of a supplemental roster yeah
1: yeah and like not to get too much into the weeds but your salary budget is only for players on your senior roster yeah so that you might find a player who's not a homegrown but you you sign them to a minimum contract that person is on the supplemental roster and it does not hit your um, budget yeah the homegrown rule allows you minimum plus a little bit more right so you can sign better quality players and still be off budget so Tyler Adams when he signed mm-hmm. supplemental roster even when he was like one of the best defensive midfielders in the league did not count against the budget
0: that's awesome
1: yeah that's so awesome for red bull huge huge incent- those two incentives are, are kind of built in right and so that is sort of the essence of the homegrown rule they announced at the end of 2008
0: which is david beckham's already in league yes right?
1: yeah and then the first homegrown signing is at the end of 08 And it's a guy named Tristan Bowen. Whatever happened to
0: Tristan Bowen?
1: We're going to talk about it. Do you remember Tristan Bowen? Yeah,
0: I remember Tristan Bowen.
1: So Tristan Bowen was signed by... Galaxy. L.A. Galaxy. Yeah, he's from L.A., so he's from that region. Mm -hmm. He was playing in the academy for a few years for L.A. Galaxy. And um, he was, like, part of their U-20 team that was winning some titles. He was on the U.S. radar. He was, I think, playing for the U-18 at the time. Right, right. And so... You know, top player in that age bracket. LA Galaxy sign him. Um, they probably at this point need all the help they can get because they're not very good, even with Donovan. and And we talked about that in the Beckham episode. Um, and so Bruce Arena signs him. And then the following year, he's part of the preseason tour. Mm-hmm. He gets into some uh, U.S. Open Cup matches. He makes his pro debut, um, I think, at 18 or 19 years old at, in the middle of the year. And so you're like, oh, other, play, other teams must have followed suit really quickly, right? And that must have been when all the homegrowns are signed. And the answer to that is no. That's not what happened. Because as you know... It's never what
0: you think it would be.
1: Tristan Bowen <laughs> hasn't, even though I think he's still only 29 or 30.
0: Yeah, he's got to be young.
1: Yeah, he um, he is not in Major League Soccer anymore. He's actually, I think, plays for the Oakland Roots um, at a lower level. Um, but I'm going to list the name of players that were signed in 2009. So Tristan Bowen 2008. And these are homegrown players. Homegrown players yeah. signed. Tyler Derrick, Houston. Yep. Brian Leva, FC Dallas. Hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I think that's uh, Giorgi Giorgi
0: uh, Chigardze. Uh, based on how difficult it was for you to pronounce that right now,
1: for the New York Rebels, yeah, no, you
0: have no idea. I have no idea.
1: I remember him being signed,
0: and that's about it.
1: That was the first homegrown signing for the so far. Tyler
0: Derrick, the big name,
1: uh, and Bill Hamid for DC United.
0: There's another big name. Yeah.
1: And, uh, so I'm surprised. I mean, Derek eventually becomes a starter of Dynamo before he has like domestic abuse charges and he's suspended indefinitely from the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bellamy is mean, a legitimately good player. But the thing that should pop out right now is that I just named one, two, three, four players an entire wow. year after the rule is.
0: Which is nothing.
1: Nothing. Compared to now. And that should remind you, if you listen to the Beckham episode, the designated player rule. Mm. You think... We look back at it now, you're like, obviously, every team must have jumped on this, but they didn't. True. Right? That's a fact. Because, listen, the following year, 2010, I'm going to list all the players now. Okay. 2010 class. Victor Oloa. Mm-hmm. Ruben Luna. Mm-hmm. Moises Hernandez. All three of those are from FC Dallas. I think they were signed on the same day. Juan Agudelo. Rebel New York. Yeah. Zach Pfeffer for Philadelphia Union. Andy Nahar, DC United. Yeah. Victor Pineda for Chicago Fire. Okay. Davey Armstrong for Colorado. Diego Fagundes for New England Revolution. Ooh,
0: Fagundes, yeah.
1: So I think I think based on your reaction, Agudelo, Fagundes, Nahar, Aloha that you know. Yeah. Right? Which is uh, I think every if you follow the we're, league, So
0: far we're at a rate of half, by the way, of like which is pretty players players that like you remember and you're yeah. still kind of involved.
1: But I think the number is half. Sure. Yeah. And I think the number you should really take is that there were only nine total signings. This is now that's year the year That's the main takeaway. I'm yeah. saying
0: of those yeah. nine, like there are five players that are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Good. yeah. Good.
1: Yeah. And so the question is, why is this happening? All right. So three years after a rule, and like I said, I explained the rules to you, and you were like, oh, man, that's really in high
0: incentive for a team to go sign players. But right? if we go back to even the David Beckham episode with DP, like you were saying, it's it's provability of success, right? Yep. Is when when things start to tack on. That's exactly right. Right? Because like the DP rule when it first came out, it's like it still needs to be a proven theory before other teams are like, well, now we have to get, now we have to use this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so like
1: the homegrown rule is a similar thing. So let's use Bill Hamid, for example. Definitely pans out, right? But Bill Hamid was an A-plus prospect. Like he was going to sign with Celtic, but he couldn't get the work permit. Okay. You know, like, he was a very special prospect. Juan Agudelo was a special prospect. Yes, like for sure. Like, 18, he was on the U.S. Men's National Team. Yep. Um, Diego Fagundes is a special prospect, mm-hmm. right? And so you have, sometimes you get special prospects that can make the leap at 16, 17, 18 years old straight into Major League Soccer.
0: But it's not realistic for that to be everybody.
1: <laughs> yes, right. And so if you're not, if you're really good in your youth level... But you're not ready to, like, start in Major League
0: Soccer. How do you get your minutes during this time period? And that's what we're leading up to. Yeah. Is, well, we've touched on this, I think, in our Freddie Adu episode, is that now teams can send them down a level. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because they either have their development team in USL. Yep. Or they stay in the academy. Yeah, so let's call that the bridge, right? Okay. How do you
1: bridge the youth academy to the senior team in Major League Soccer, right? And some people are good enough to make that jump. Tyler, not even Tyler Adams made that jump, though.
0: True. He yeah. was
1: He uh, he was. Yeah, he was in USL for... So before, at 2008... Weston when... McKinney was, was there, too, right? Weston McKinney, no, no, no. He, oh, he never no, signed. Sorry. I'm
0: thinking of somebody else. Yeah.
1: Um, so in 2008, when the homegrown rule was announced... If you're not good enough for a Major League Soccer first team, there's a Reserve League. Right. Where the reserves of all the MLS team play Mm -hmm. each other. But they only play each other 10 times. 10 games for the entire year. So Major League Soccer season is 34 games. The Reserve League played 10 times. So it's not even that many games. And they actually cut it. They got rid of it right after 2008. So as the homegrown rule is in effect, like they actually got rid of the one place you could even get some games um, up until 2011 because they said it it was too costly for what it was worth, right? Mm. So from 2008 to 2011, the only way a homegrown player... can't you, like if you were to sign a homegrown, can't you loan them? Yes. So the only way you can develop your players that are not good enough right now as a 17-year-old to play on the first team is to now loan them out
0: but the risk in that i would assume is you know if different how, how do you keep them then different this, place? it comes back to the same problem it's yeah. like you know yeah. if they if they you can loan them out to like i don't know um let's just say argentina i don't know Let's just say that for example. And they have an amazing experience there. They're going to want to leave. Yeah. Well, I think
1: more realistic, (coughs) they're probably going to a lower level. So let's use Tristan Bowen as an example. Okay. So he's loaned out to Hollywood Hitmen, which is an incredible name for a soccer club. (laughs) The Hollywood Hitmen, uh, which I think is in the PDL. Like it's lower than USL. Um, And I think the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I could be wrong there. Um, No, Miami FC. Um, and so, so you have to loan them out. What's the benefit of loaning them out? They can get some playing time, hopefully. What's it, what's not the benefit? That you don't see them develop and they're not developing in your system. They're mm-hmm. developing in someone else's system, right? Right. And so that's the only way that these kids could get any, um, actual practice and develop. And I think that's the reason why, um, you didn't see that many homegrown signings happen up until 2013 Mm-hmm. when Major League Soccer made the official partnership with USL.
0: Like you had a bunch of cogs, but none of them working together.
1: Exactly. Right. And then, so in 2013, they made an official partnership with USL, which is, again, the second and third division of the of the soccer leagues, to say that every Major League Soccer team has, at minimum, a full partnership with the USL team. Mm-hmm. If not, they have their own USL team that they run.
0: Uh, the thing is, did Los Dos exist when Tristan Bowen was
1: no. signed? No. So... 2013 was when MLS made that right. rule. And then at the end of 2013 and 2014 is when Los Dos, Los Dos is Galaxy's reserve team. Yeah. Um, that's when it was signed. So Tristan Bowen did not have that opportunity. He didn't have it. He didn't have Los Dos to do it, right? Man. And even then in thir- end of 2013 when the league announced it, not every club made a second division team, right? So LA Galaxy did. Um New York Rebels made it in 2015. I think RSL did the same thing. But FC Dallas famously didn't do it until 2018 because it takes money to create a whole second team. Right. You know, and it's not an easy investment to do so. So we've talked about the homegrown rule and how impactful it could be because, like, I think at worst, he's a top three player for America right now, Tyler Adams. Mm -hmm. And he's a product of the full pipeline, of the homegrown pipeline, which is... Go to an academy as young as 12 years old, train with them for years, eventually then get signed as a homegrown into, most likely than not, the USL team, get professional games against full adults. If you do really well, go to MLS. Yep. And if you do really well, you can sell off MLS into a European team. And that's the Tyler Adams story. And that gets to the last element of the homegrown rule, which is when you sell a player abroad and they're a homegrown player, the MLS club keeps 100% of the
0: the sale. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I was about to say, it's like they don't don't count against the cap if their salary is a certain amount. Yep. Right? So it's like now you're really, really incentivizing clubs to, you know,
1: Bet on the future. Bet on the future, exactly. And and if a player, if you're selling a regular player that's not a homegrown, MLS keeps 25% of it. And, um, and the team only keeps 75%. For homegrowns, they keep 100%. So that full pipeline has just been started. Even though the rules started in 2008, right, 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 the right. pipeline. Has been like fully built in 2014. in effect, maybe 2014, 2015-ish. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So when we talk about, if we actually go to the list of all the homegrown sightings, mm-hmm. the amount of talent that you see in the last two years is probably equal to or better than the entire previous 10 years combined. Yeah. Because of all these things are now finally put into place, right? And so I think... It's, like it's, another one, like a, like a big one right now is Paxton.
0: Yeah. That's your boy.
1: Yeah. We I love Paxton Palmacal. Pax, Pax so, like, let's talk about, I would say, the four big academies in, in Major League Soccer, or the four more four most prolific academies. That's Number one academy. is FC Dallas Academy, right? Yeah. By far. Um, FC Dallas Academy, I think in 2005, their academy gets integrated into the U.S. Development Academy, yeah. the USDA. Mm-hmm. If, if you remember the episode that we talked about, um, Bradenton? Project 40, too. And, and Project 40 as well, like the USDA is like the, now all the youth clubs being in a giant league. Mm-hmm. FC Dallas integrates to that infrastructure really early on in 2005, and they um, they do an incredible job. I think they win, they've won more national championships at that le- youth levels than any other kind of youth club in the U.S., right? So they're really successful. Yeah. Two, if you look at um, their... Uh, ability of getting kids international experience it's top-notch one the youth teams are always traveling abroad to play in in tournaments yeah and then they have official partnerships with um with european clubs where the the people who are in the academy can go train with the european clubs as well most famously and most recently one of their homegrowns chris richards went to uh, bayern munich went to, like, train with their youth side. Mm, yeah. Byron likes him so much, they ended up buying him from straight yeah. from uh, FC Dallas, even before he played one game for FC Dallas, which is pretty crazy, right? Um, and then if you look at the amount of the U.S. national team now and how many players are coming from FC Dallas Academy, mm-hmm. you have Paxton Pomichol, Yep. Reggie Cannon. True. Um, Brandon Cervania, who just got his first cap. Yep. Um, and uh, Jesus Ferreira, who just got his first cap. And then Weston McKinney. Yep. Right. Um, that's five players in the U.S. team right now in the probably the top 23 players in, that come from one academy, which is incredible. Um, so there's, they're doing something great. The thing that they've just gotten over the hurdle is what we talked about before. Is like two years ago, they had all this talent, but none of them would be able to make the MLS team because there was no USL team that they owned. True. Um, Paxson Pomichal was signed in 2016 as a 16-year-old. At, at 16, yeah. Yeah. And the next three years, he plays a total of eight games professionally, mm. right? And so like... He was good enough to like make the bench a lot and like get training, but he never got games because they didn't have a USL team. Now they just started one in twenty eighteen, um, called North Texas SC, and I think they've now fully built that bridge. But I think um, the best player that's ever come out of the academy is Weston McKenney. Yeah, mckenney has been went through FC Dallas multiple years in the acad- youth. Instead of signing Mm -hmm. with the first team, he signed straight into uh, Germany and Schalke. Um, And so they lost that talent, right? And I think that's normal to a certain degree. Like, if you have a really super talented person that can not even make the jump into MLS, can make the jump straight into Bundesliga, Mm -hmm. then it probably makes sense that he signs directly into the Bundesliga. Right. Right? Right. Like, there's only so much you can do, right?
0: And I think, like, even fans of certain clubs... Uh, especially if they're, you know, big on their national team. Mm-hmm. Like I don't expect fans of the Canadian men's national team would want, you know, an Alfonso Davies to stay too long yeah. at Whitecaps. You know? Yeah, they'd yeah. want him to go to Bayern. Yeah, and right? I think
1: and, and make profit off of it too. Yeah, and I think I think the FC Dallas model is very much that, and, and they also promoted their basically their youth. Coach Lucy Gonzalez to now be the head coach, right? Yeah, so they they promote it internally. Um, the second one I think you want to talk about is the New York Rebels Academy. True, Rebels Academy, I think, started in 2005 um, as well, and they um, probably do the best job of the beginning all the way to the end pipeline, yeah, in terms of also selling to Europe. And so Tyler Adams is an example of that, Matt Miazga is the other example of that, yeah, where you go. Academy, USL, MLS, sold to Europe, right? Uh, that even FC Dallas, the last part of selling to Europe, they haven't really demonstrated yet, um, and the New York Rebels has.
0: Well, we'll see what happens with Paxton.
1: Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think FC Dallas, ha-
0: like their pipeline is. Full they have up. a setup now. Yeah, they have a setup. Yeah. But uh, the, my my crazy, the thing that I find crazy, it's like it's only been maybe half a decade. Yeah. That the system's really been in place. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the much like FC Dallas, Rebels have like U twelve all the way to U twenty three. They have the USL two club. They they started in twenty fifteen, so they were pretty early on. And even if you don't think about academies and homegrown,s like they get a lot of talent from the USL team, which is Aaron Long. It's from the USL side, right? But I will say, just like. uh, and so I would say the best player that we produced out of, out of that academy is Tyler Adams. Yeah. Um, and, but much like um, the FC Dallas lost McKenney, never signed him, that's also starting to happen in, in the Red Bulls. So Red Bulls uh, Academy had Tim Weah. That's, Weah.
0: that's who I was thinking about in, yeah. in the Red Bulls Academy that yeah. never played in MLS, was yeah. Tim Weah. Tim
1: Weah, never yeah. signed, went straight to Europe. Obviously, his dad is George Weah, and he has all those connections. And he's also very, very, very good. The example more recently is Chris Gloucester. So, oh yeah, yeah, true. he's a he's a fullback um, out of the academy, and then he was seen so well that he was actually poached by Europe, and now plays at um, PSV, young PSV, yeah, right. Started in in the U twenty World Cup, definitely high level prospect, of which you know the Rebels lost again. There's only so much you can do, um, but at and, least we have something. Yeah, yeah. And and they also now have to compete with NYCFC for talent. And there's definitely if you were, I'm picking these four clubs because of what they've already done. But if we're saying, hey, who's going to be the best in the future? I think the Rebels have a little bit of concern because like the pipeline of actual talent is less than and it's what also it was in
0: saturated, like you were saying.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Number three is Real Salt Lake. Uh Real Salt Lake is interesting uh, for a few reasons like their region is not just Utah uh, but Arizona as well so they mm. recruit into Arizona. They also have instead of just like an academy that you play soccer, they have an entire school, like a official charter school. So like you actually go to the school.
0: It's very Bradenton vibes.
1: Yeah, and but it's like a it's a STEM school, like a science school. Okay. And uh, Yeah, all right. of which if you're uh, a academy member, you have a full scholarship too. But if you if you lived in the area, I think you could just go and apply to it, wow. and just be part of the school. You I'd know, like, um, and they actually uh, impressively, even though their first signing was and not until twenty eleven with Danny Toya was their first homegrown signing, they're actually the number two in terms of number of homegrown signings ever, only after FC Dallas. So they really ramped up, um, much like Lucci Gonzalez was promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, they promoted internal, so their coach is Freddy Juarez, um, and he ran the USL team before and worked yeah. with a lot of the kids. And now is the head coach of the full team. And much like the Red Bulls, Real Salt Lake jumped on making a USL team. Right, it's interesting in how this is
0: helpful for managers too. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, totally. And and these are clubs that believe in their system. Yeah. Right. So like LA Galaxy, even though they have all the pieces. Like, they, they got Scolotto from Argentina to be a coach, and they're mm-hmm. always buying players. They're not right. really... Homegrowns aren't really part of their setup. What
0: about uh, Bradford Jameson? Is he... Uh...
1: Yeah, it's a prime example of someone who just never broke through from making USL to MLS because, like, honestly, the LA Galaxy, I don't know if they go out of their way to make sure that they give MLS minutes to homegrown Their
0: concerns players. are in other places. Yeah. Yeah. and at, at, Which is... Which is another cool thing to me. It's like not every like that. There's actual identity, yeah, that, that can be seen between the clubs and yeah. MLS, right? Yep. Um, like the teams that really rely upon youth talent, I would say. Like we've already mentioned, FC Dallas, right? New York Rebels is definitely mm-hmm. one of, like who who has been a giant star signing since Marquez and Onreen and, and Rebels. Nobody really, but it's it's their kids. Yeah, that really play the kids. Up. Yep. Um, and BWP, of course. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, Red Bulls. And I would say, I think you're starting to see that with Philly.
1: Yeah. You Philly know? was my fourth one that I was going to say. Yeah,
0: so let's talk about Philly.
1: Yeah, so Philly's um two really quick things on RSL. I mm-hmm. think uh, U.S. men U.S. men's national team players are going to be like Justin and Corey Baird. They're very fringe. Yeah. Um, they're the best player that they've ever Actually developed is Carlos Salcedo, who's a starter sure. yeah. center back for Mexico. He was actually developed in RSL Academy, sold to Chivas, went to Europe, came back. Um, so they and he's probably a ten million dollar player. So like, and you're only going to get better and better and better. Much like what we said in the first two, with McKinney leaving mm-hmm. FC Dallas um, and Gloucester and Weah leaving New York Rebels without signing for the first team. They also lost two really high level players, Sebastian Soto. Yeah, um, and Richie Ledesma, who's like an A plus plus prospect. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. huge prospect. Yeah, and uh, you can't blame him. I mean, Richie Ledesma signed straight into Holland, which means he's getting paid really well. Um, and so, uh, but I think it's worth noting, right? Yeah. All right, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is super interesting because they also have a school. Um, I think they were actually the first ones to do it, like a full on charter school. Um, with the
0: academy. Is it Penn Charter? Uh, It's YSC. I know it's not Penn Charter. Yeah. I lived across the street from there.
1: Yeah, it's YSC. So their first player we mentioned briefly was Zach Pfeffer in 2010. But Mm -hmm. really, their real true class, first true class, is just coming out right now.
0: That's what I feel. Yeah. Right? And you can feel it.
1: Yeah. So the players that they have, Brandon Aronson, Mm -hmm. 18, or maybe just turning 19, U.S. national team capped already. Mark McKenzie, twenty years old, just got his first cap. Austin Trusty, who's like playing a lot of minutes as a homegrown, they just sold to Colorado Rapids for a lot of allocation money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they also believe in their system so much that they don't do the draft at all. They fa- they, they famously they famously the last two years have sold all their draft picks before the draft.
0: They Mm, sold... I didn't know that.
1: They sold every single one of their college... Has that worked out? Yeah. They sold every single one of their college draft picks to Cincinnati. For what? Like allocation money? $150,000 of allocation money. And then if you look at the draft and what FC Cincinnati got, they got absolutely nothing out of that draft. Wow. And so because they believe, they're like, we believe in our talent more than anything else, right? Like you said, the identity of that team is built out of their academy first. And so like their GM is Ernst Tanner, who's Mm -hmm. like coming from Europe. He's totally embraced that. If you read articles about Don Garber, Don Garber cites Philadelphia specifically as the future academy of of tomorrow. To your point, like, they're just starting off, and you can start seeing just the tip of the iceberg.
0: Also, unlike the Red Bulls, they have less competing areas, too, right? Because if if you're in Philly, that means you have, like, South Jersey available to you. And Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania as a whole. Yeah. And maybe, like, Delaware region. Yep. You know? Yeah. So and, th- and theoretically... If you they, should be able to find really good players.
1: Yeah. If they had that set up just a few years before, theoretically, you p- might have had Christian Pulisic, who's from Hershey. True. And Zach True. Steffen. I think Zach Steffen did a little bit of time in the Philadelphia Union Academy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, go through that. So there's major talent there. They are now... Okay, could you imagine, like, the difference between playing club... So like, uh, not to compare what we did when we played club soccer, but like that was maybe like two practices a week. Not even. We yeah, were probably maybe more. maybe once a week. Once one practice a week and then one game a weekend, right? Yeah. And say so, let's say you're in a really really good club team. Mm-hmm. You're doing three practices a week, one one game in the weekend. Okay. If you're at Philadelphia or Real Salt Lake, that means you go to school that's owned by the club. That means during the day you're also getting a practice in. That's part of your curriculum.
0: And then after school, you're getting a practice in. You know in. what that sounds like? Yeah. An amazing anime. Yeah. It sounds like an awesome anime.
1: Yeah. So think about it. They Philadelphia go... Union is going the anime route. I love it. I love it. <laughs> make it happen. someone. May somebody please make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> Nani? <Yeah. laughs> um, so like at a top end club, you practice three times, play one game. Mm-hmm. In this system, you practice 10 times a week and play one game. So the ima- and you do that from 12 to 17. How much better are the players going to get?
0: <laughs> like inc- it's like if that was if that was us when we were kids, man, we might be playing soccer right now. Yeah.
1: And like the level it cannot be understated how important this rule is moving forward, right? So the yeah. homegrown rule, especially when people finalize the last step, which is now selling Players mm-hmm. to Europe when they're ready to go,
0: which like the profit margins, all you bro.
1: Yeah, and and if you if you get to the point where you're like an IX, that means you're selling three four players every year, mm-hmm. which means you you have confidence in your academy of making three or four players come to the first team every year. Yeah. Once you get to that, you are unlocking huge amounts of revenue. Right. Right. Tyler Adams, I know, was sold cheap, three million, but uh, Alfonso Davies was sold for like thirteen million. Right. Right? Like imagine you're selling three, four players for three million each every year. This is an extra ten, twelve million dollars in it revenue. It needs to be
0: noted that Philadelphia Union recently gone to the playoffs for the first time.
1: Yeah. In a while. And 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 they've been showing that they're successful in this. So that's a great point you bring up. Right. FC Dallas, very successful last few years, supporters shield. New York Rebels, very successful, two supporters shields. Philadelphia Union getting in the playoffs, RSL getting in the playoffs, RSL giving the most homegrown minutes than any other club in the league. It's starting to prove out that this is a true differentiator mm-hmm. and a competitive edge, right? So in the beginning of MLS, MLS 1.0, the only competitive edge you had is like how good your front office was and how good your coach was. Because yeah. everyone has the same amount of money to play with. Right. right? And then luck on some certain... MLS 2.0 is how much your owners are willing to pay for your designated players and how good you are to get designated players and yeah. invest in your in your squad. I think MLS 3.0, the third differentiator and competitive edge is how good your academy
0: will be. It's basically, when are you guys going to realize, hey man, you ever think about just brewing our own beer? <laughs> Wait, everyone's yeah. having that moment. Yeah. It's like, we have a garage. Yeah, we can do this. <laughs> we could do this. But it takes time, man. That's, yeah. the, that's the whole point, I think. As uh, does brewing beer. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the rules imple- uh, set in 2008, it isn't really fully realized into actually having every rule in place to make it feasible to a certain degree until 2014. Mm-hmm. And even now, you're just starting to get... Because at 2014, even the clubs that dove right into it, you're starting at the U-12 level, and now they're finally becoming 16, 17, 18 years old. True. Sure. And so, like as we get to 2020 to 2025, I think you're just going to have an explosion of how much and how much better the U.S. talent system is, um, part because of the academy system that's been incentivized by this homegrown rule.
0: Now more than ever, it does feel like uh, the U.S. development academy like the DA and, and MLS like feel like they're more intertwined now yeah
1: they're definitely intertwined it's not it's not perfect I mean I think a lot of fans but are, theoretically
0: the more they are yeah working for each other and together like yeah. the better the product will be in the end right? yeah
1: I, thi- I think a lot of fans sometimes are understandably upset about losing prospects I think Los Angeles Galaxy is probably the, the best one mm-hmm. right they've lost Alex Mendez yeah they lost Ulianas. Yeah, they just lost one. Kobe Hernandez Foster, who, if you don't know, is like probably one of the top top prospects at the seventeen level. But they're also
0: in LA, they're also in Southern California. That's gonna happen a lot. Yeah, and and like the culture there. Yeah, right. Uh, You're gonna find youth yeah. stars. They've signed
1: they've signed uh, Efra Alvarez, who's a star in the making for the Mexican team, and then they've signed uh, Julian Arajo, who's mm-hmm. gonna be good. But they're also not a club that's fully committed as that that's their identity. Right. Their identity is stars. Yeah. Right. And so there is some level of, hey, um, we're not fully maximizing this and frustrations there. But the four clubs that I just said, that's their identity. I mean, when you think Red Bulls, you think FC Dallas, you think Philadelphia Union, you think RSL. You don't think big DPs. Mm-hmm. You think great, great academy and being able to create the next generation of talent for the U.S. But system. you
0: can also you can also leave that up to another competing club nearby you to let that be their identity. Yeah. Right? Like between NYCFC and the Red Bulls now. Yeah. I would be less. I would be more surprised if the Red Bulls had a huge star signing as opposed to like New York City FC making a huge star signing. Yeah. Right. And then with like LA Galaxy. In LAFC, LAFC is only like two years old, so we don't know yet. Yeah. But, you know, they have Vela, of course. So, yeah. like, is Sacramento going to be a club in the future? It's it's one of the identity options for a club. Yeah. Right. So, like, if that team comes out to MLS, do they pick up the loose change? Yeah. And be like, let's not forget the kids. Yeah. You know, you know what
1: will be really interesting is, like, if a team can master this idea of being both... We spend a lot in designated players and we also give a lot of time to homegrown players. We haven't really seen that. Not like, yet. Not yet. Atlanta, I think, has some talent in the homegrown space. Atlanta's
0: identity right now is like pipeline from South, South the America. Border. Yeah, yes. South, South
1: America. America. And Seattle has a great upcoming class of talent coming up. But again, their identity is, again, pretty veteran players. It's mm-hmm. so like, how much actual time are the kids going to get to play? And how do you balance that? LA Galaxy has a unlimited pipeline of talent, local talent, yeah. and they don't give them that much time. So, like, LAFC, when the academy players finally come through, like, are you going to not give Brian Rodriguez time and give it to an academy kid? Like, um, these are the things that are going to be interesting. But if a club theoretically does both, then you have, like, a really true big, big, big club. Cool. So that's sort of the history of the the homegrown rule, why it took so long for it to take hold in Major League Soccer and why it's going to be so important in this league's history in the next 25 years.
0: Uh, Here's a question for you. Yeah. Um, What do you think will be starting, including this, you know, MLS year 25 that's coming up uh, at time of recording, like at the end of this month? Yeah. What's the first club to... uh, win MLS Cup with, like, a lot of youth pipeline.
1: I think, theoretically, FC Dallas could do it. I mean, they... Uh, they what did about s- Philly? And and we'll, let's see Philly. The reason why I say FC Dallas now is because they have...
0: They've already spent some time doing it.
1: Yeah, and they have Pomichol, who I think, when he's healthy, is a legitimate top 10% player in the league. And Ferreira seems like he has the talent to do that. Mm -hmm. Cervania seems like he has the talent to do that. And they've re-signed those guys already. Right. Right. right? And so, like, um, so I think in the next one, two years, they probably have a window where we have these players. You know, we have them fairly long term. Let's try to win MLS Cup this way. Yeah. And then sell the players. Let me rephrase the question.
0: It's the same question. I just want to make it more clear for the listeners. Yeah. Moving forward, this season on first MLS team that's identity is primary, primarily uh, youth development.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: First team to to get an MLS Cup out of that. FC Dallas. You're saying FC Dallas? Yeah. I want to say RSL.
1: You think you think RSL is? A I think better RSL ser- can do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think RSL has a lower level of the ceiling of the talent, mm-hmm. but they have the most minutes given out. Too. That's what I.
0: That's why I think it might be them. And
1: the Rebels also have like you, uh, We talk about Tyler Adams, mm-hmm. but like it's equally important to create Alex Mules and Sean um, Sean Davis's of mm-hmm. the league, yeah. who are good, solid MLS players, but don't have the ceiling of ever making it to the national team or probably being sold to Europe. Super valuable still. So I think it'll be interesting to see if RSL or Red Bulls could do it. But I think on paper, you look at FC Dallas, you're like, they have, they have the talent. They've been doing it in a while, too. Yeah, they have yeah. the talent. Um, yeah. They're not favorite. The favorites are still the, the big money spenders. Yeah, the, uh, the L.A.s and... The Atlantas and the, the Atlanta's, Seattles. Yeah, and Seattle's. Um, but I think I think FC Dallas has a, at least a, a shot this year to do it. Go. Cool. Nice. So, let's go over your sources. Okay. We have Local Goalie Careers Poised to Go Global by Paul Tenorio back when he was in the Washington Post. Um, There's an article on MLS soccer called RSL Pushes the Envelope on a Residency Program. um, Rating MLS Academy Homegrown Players Youth Development Progress for 442, which I think was also Paul Tenorio. Um, A article called 20 Years of FC Dallas Homegrown Players on the Dallas News. And then the press release on the mls usl pro reaching a structured deal to revive kind of the reserve league which is that thing we talked about in 2013
0: and a little something for me if anybody listening is out there is either an animator or a really good illustrator i got a collaboration product project we got to work on right now it is the captain subasa of the usa and it takes place in philadelphia let's make this anime happen <laughs> I love let's it. make this manga happen <laughs> kids it. going to the school for soccer and that's what they're all about and they yes they have powers of course I love and it. they're young
1: i love it if you love that idea please give us a shout out <laughs> on our twitter <laughs> at 2500 stories as always rain and review tell your friends Sweet, guys. We will catch you next time. Uh, Also, I'm down with Captain Tsubasa. Let's do that. Let's make it happen.